Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with Everyday Entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, I have an extraordinary interview with a woman who has gone through unthinkable challenges in her life. And Ramitha Malur is here to talk us through her story of a an incredibly tragic accident that she experienced while living in India and her amazing comeback story. And so I have no doubt you will love to hear her story. This is a little bit different than some of my other podcast episodes where we hear an entrepreneur or a, or a businesswoman's career journey. While we do talk a, a little bit about Ramitha's career, you know, actually a great deal about her career, we also fold in her incredible story of this accident and the impact that it had on her life. And so I think you'll really like it. I, let me tell you a little bit about Ramitha. She is a co-founder and the delivery operations leader at a company called Next Tuple. And Next Tuple is a boutique consulting firm that does consulting and implementations of order management systems with large, large companies. And she helped found this company. And, you know, given her life experience, she tells you how all of that unfolded. She has led the global delivery operations, integrations, and acquisitions sectors of the firm. And she's done this at other global technology and consulting organizations as well. But besides office and work, she also spent love spending time with your, her son, which you'll hear about him later in the podcast, and her family. She also loves to cook and summer garden in her backyard. And let me tell you, she's also an avid CrossFitter. So crazy story, incredibly inspiring. I am truly grateful for the opportunity to speak with Ramitha and I I'm forever grateful for her willingness to be vulnerable and to share this incredibly impactful chapter of her life. So with that, we'll get to the interview and have a listen and would love to hear what you think. And yeah, enjoy. With that, I'll introduce to you Ramitha Malore. Yeah. Welcome, Ramitha. Thank you so much for being here on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I am excited to have you here. I'm excited for you to share more about yourself and your story. And I think the listeners are in for a really, really great podcast today. And thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Holly, for having me here today. This is exciting. I usually don't say, share the story, which I think we spoke last time. I think maybe that was the first time that I shared openly with you. And then, yeah, we are here again today. I'll try and share. So yeah. Yeah. So why I mean, we just kind of start, I always like to tell the, my listeners how we met. And so you're a very successful woman in the retail space. You're going to give us more information on your career as in a minute, but we work in one of my consulting jobs right now. We will work with your company, Next Tuple, in the order management space. And so you are a 
senior leader at Next Temple. We met at a convention shop talk in Las Vegas in March. And that was a lot of fun just to meet you in person. And you were at the top of my radar when I thought of a successful smart woman in tech. And I'm excited to have you here. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your career and background and, and then we'll, we'll dive into to more about you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. I don't know if I share this with you. I was born in India in a small town in a very traditional Orthodox Indian family. And my mom is a homemaker and the no background of working women in the family as such as when I was growing up. Now we do, but when I was growing up, that's how it was. I can say academically I was bright and I always wanted to do something different. I mean, what I've seen around in the family was saying, okay, everybody is a homemaker and this is how you and the family, that's how you take care of your family. But I was like, no, I, I want to be something a little more than that. And I've always had that, right? And then I think that was in my head from my childhood, oh, for that matter. And I was sent to school a bit early because my mom says I used to be very active at home and then <laughs> so she thought maybe they keep, keep me busy sending me to school. So I do think that's still there in me a little bit that I don't like to be sitting idle. I need to be doing something, you know. So maybe that helped. So being active and working hard has become a way of life. So that's how. And then, of course, when I, what I, academically, what I studied is something different. I was into biotech field, but I think. Later, this fascinated me. So I think going back a little bit, like I didn't switch my careers. So that's when I came into this world. This was, I joined a team of like really experienced professionals who were in this retail industry for a very long time. So I was just a newcomer kind of in this. That's how it started. And then I'm here today. And then it was another startup that we were in the past which was successfully acquired by, and then we started this one. And one of the co-founders, and I also, also manage the global delivery and operations for this one now. So that's where I am. And, and what is your position at NextTouple? I am the senior VP and also the head of global operations. Delivery wow. operations. Yeah. Senior VP and head of global operations, everyone. She yeah. is a big deal and killing it in the tech industry. So excited to have you here. And I want to just lead in with your journey to this place, to this physical place, you, the U.S., your career space, your your space as a mother, your space as a, you know, as a colleague has not been easy or traditional. And you've had, you've had some obstacles in, in your in your career, in your life. And so I would love for you to, to share with us kind of your journey and, you know, your, your major obstacle that you've, you experienced and, and then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, what, what came next. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is with my experience, something that I have learned Holly is that we do not have to avoid this having family and being an executive or a leader, right? To be an executive or a leader. It is like always we were, I think, traditionally taught that you have to compromise one kind of and choose. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe in that. But this is, I'm speaking this with experience, right? Yes. To be honest, I did feel juggle between these two. I did feel guilty sometimes because it was hard. It was really hard at times. 
But something I learned on the way is that we need to remind ourselves who and what we want to be and our passion, right? Also, it is really important for us as a woman to remind ourselves the importance of personal development, why it is important to be like independent or mm-hmm. confident or passionate uh, about what you want to be and understand and remind yourselves that working, going out, working is also an important source or part of your personal development. Right? I think that's when you can like keep that as your goal and keep doing it. Otherwise, it becomes harder. Okay, how can I compromise my family and just do this for myself? So I did that. So I don't think we need to be compromising any one of those. At least when I was growing up, that's what that is how I was. Maybe I understood that's how the, seeing my women around me, right? Like, I don't think we can be doing both. Well, and the family is something that you have to give importance to. We have to, and I, I wouldn't compromise on that. So I could manage both. And in addition to that, I did have other challenges, which as I shared with you, right? It, is, it was hard. So you, you, there was a point in your life where you were doing both. You were, I believe your husband had moved to the U.S. and was working here and you were in India and chose to stay and build a company and be essentially a single mother to your very young son at the time. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it was challenging. It was like a single parent, right? So my husband was traveling and he was here in the U.S. and my son was like about five years old and I used to be working and this was a startup and we were growing and I was very passionate about the growth of this organization. It was like my another baby kind of, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't want to compromise on my family's or my son's need at that point, the support that he needed and at the same time, even the startup that you know, I was with. So it was hard. I managed it. And then I started it in, the, in a way that, yeah, I'm getting back to work, but I have to take care of my son too. And I'm going to be like in office. I said the expectations up, up front is what I can mm-hmm. say. Uh, I'll be in office and here physically, but I'll have to be with my son rest of half of the day physically, but I'll be working from there. Uh, yeah. Like, it's so I juggled. Yeah. It was... It was back in India and then, you know, it's known for the Silicon City there and which is Bangalore, known for traffic. Um, yeah. There were days where my son would be back from home, but I wouldn't reach home. There is like none at all for him when he comes back. And there were times where I had to trust and give him my house key. Okay, if in case I'm a few minutes late uh, and okay, you get in the house and then I think that helped him also to be more responsible is what I could say, which I learned later. But at that point, it was a risk that I took. You were doing what it, what you needed to do and what it took to yeah. be able to be a mother and, and a working mother. And sometimes... Yes, yes. And it, it was hard. I did feel guilty at times. Really guilty because when I came back home and I saw my son and, and waiting for me and mm-hmm. I did feel guilty. Yeah. On those faces, right? <laughs> so yes. I, I'm sharing this because I'm sure there are many women out there who have gone through this space, like mm-hmm. feeling guilty, like managing family and the business for. Yeah. But yeah, he. So what do you tell yourself? I guess, how do you talk to yourself in that moment when you start to feel guilty? And how do you, yeah, for those women out there who deal with mom guilt and 
am I making the right decision in this moment and not knowing what are the things that you say to yourself in that moment? When you, I, I when used you to remind to... myself that see, it's not intentional at that moment, what you're doing, uh, but as long as your intentions are right and you have a goal in front of you, which is like, you're not harming anybody there. Uh, right. 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 You're, you're moving towards a goal that, and you, that you are passionate about. Don't make mistakes knowingly. If it yeah. is something that not, which is not intentionally intentional that you are making at that moment. And if it is not something that you are repeatedly doing, knowing that it was a mistake, I think mm-hmm. it's okay to do that as long as you learn from that and not repeat it. Right. So all the time, what I thought is like facing challenges or maybe is something like breaking your fear. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always took it in that way. Yeah. These are all challenges, part of life and yeah. learn from this. Yeah. So what's been the biggest challenge in your life? <laughs> the facing challenges was initially was a challenge. Like, like I said, the challenge that I faced, it was hard. You know what I said about the accident that I met? That was a big challenge and I didn't know oh, like whether I could come out so, of it. But. Yeah. So I, for the, the audience, would you be comfortable telling us about the accident? I, yes. And, yes. And what, what happened? You start where you want. It, yes. <laughs> and it, it was a I was the victim of a very bad road accident and I had to fight an extensive battle to overcome my injuries. You believe it or not, I was bedridden, completely bedridden. Not and this was in to, India. This was in India, not being able to move even on the bed uh, for over about eight to nine weeks. That's over two months, mm-hmm. right? My family and friends had lost Hope in me getting back on my feet. What What were your injuries? What did What What did you break? It was It was a road accident, as I said, and my husband was here, so my son and I were traveling and met with this accident, and I broke my leg, and then and and also three vertebrae in the back. So, it was all crushed, the vertebrae and, and, and the leg. It was, I didn't even realize at that point, right? So I was all about like my son was with me and then I didn't care. I was hurt. I just tried to wake up. It was a sleeper coach pass. And then I was mm. just trying to sit and ask him, are you okay? And then he's like, it's hurting, mama. My neck hurts, my head hurts. And I, I was all worried about him. And then I, I'm trying to sit. I realized that, okay, I'm not able to sit. There's something wrong with me. And then I see my leg is stuck in one of those steel ladders in there. And then I'm pulling this leg and just above my ankle, it was the bone was broken. And then it was kind of hanging just with the skin support. Oh my goodness. Oh. It was it was that bad. And then, yeah, it was in a very remote city at 2 a.m. or so. And mm. it was hard. And we had to wait for all the support that we could get and had a very weak cell reception there to call anybody from my family and all of that. And yeah, it was a, I think it's a long story. I won't go in details, but yeah, somehow... I was taken to, I think that was in the morning, around seven, eight o'clock. Oh, they couldn't get to see a doctor. So you sat with a broken ankle or leg, broken back for 
Yes. Uh, and we were uh, hacked. We were pulled out through the window of this bus and then were asked to sit on the roadside up until we got the support of the ambulance or whatnot, right? So okay. all this was going on. And then that was the last working day of the month. Typically, I sign off the payroll. So I was all worried about, okay, I have to be back <laughs> in office today. I have to sign off the payroll. Oh, gosh. Here you are with broken bones and you're worried about yes. the goodness of your heart is making sure that people get paid. Well, yes. that says a lot yes, about I you. There were many who were like, they have to pay their bills, right? Mm-hmm. So, and there are certain timelines there they have to be. And I didn't want to be my situation causing trouble to many others. So, so and then... You believe it or not, I had my colleagues coming in there uh, in that early morning. And and then I was just telling them that, can you just take care of the payroll? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little little occupied and a little busy here, to say the least. Can you please take care of the payroll? Exactly. Yeah. So they were like, really? Are you talking about the payroll now? (laughs) Forget about it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's like looking back at it, I'm laughing at it. <laughs> yes, that was the that was the situation. And then we got the support, and I said, "Okay, maybe I need to move to a better facility to yeah. take care of my situation." So yeah, and then we moved to Bangalore, and then through the way again, the traffic and all of this, right? And halfway through, I had my cousin and my family members coming in there and my husband was here again at that point too and many of my colleagues who were here and in India all of them like supported me calling me and like in in fact physically coming in there at like 4 a.m in the morning when they were like driving from Bangalore and reaching there so it was very supportive so your colleagues came to the remote village to get you yes and yes. bring and drive you back to Bangalore. Yes, they were. Wow. The family was there, and they were there with me. And then, like one of my cousins was sitting with me in the ambulance. I said halfway through, I don't think I'll make it because I was going breathless and the pain. It was unbearable pain. Yeah. So I said I don't think I can make it. And I really had lost hope at that point, but I didn't make it. Hurt. And then what then kept I, you going? What what can I I was like, moment? no, I can do it. Maybe if I make it to the hospital, like I'll get the support and then I'll do it. Whatever it takes for me to be back on my feet. Okay. Right. So it was just I just need to get to the hospital. I just yes. need to get to the hospital. I just needed there were a few things out of my control at that point, right? I can't do anything with that. Mm-hmm. So I needed that support from the really the doctors and who knew yeah. what wanted to do with me, right? So Yes, my friends and all of them were all with the, like I had spoken to the doctors and they were ready the moment I reached this uh, hospital. And I had a bunch of folks from my office and my friends and family, all of those. And then, yeah, I got the treatment that I needed to get there. was in hospital and I had, in fact, my colleagues, my boss traveling from here, from the U.S., 
bear. Yeah. Yes. Although I, I remember all of those now. And then my husband came from here. All of them were there. But then I had to fight my rest of the battle, right? What I had to do, I had to do. So I was in the hospital, got operated, and they had to get implants from other countries. One of that was from here. Oh, so wow. I waited for a day to get operated. And then, yeah, I was home in two weeks. And rest of the six, seven weeks, I had to be struggling. And on eighth or ninth week, uh, when, when you're in bed, you're yeah, so you're home bed. and you're home. You're yeah. bed rested. Yes, in- bed rest. But I tried to keep myself occupied, working. Still, I had a special table made for running payroll. <laughs> <and working. laughs> yes. Yes. yes, I remember one of my colleagues said that at that point that. I don't think like she can be just idle on the bed. I think it's give her some work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she can't take it. Yeah, I thought we have to give her some work to do so she's not going crazy. Yes. Wait, what? What? Real quick, what was your, what was your son doing when you were in bed rest? What, your husband was there. Was he able to care for your son? And did you have help? And I, I, really had, I had my mom come in at that point and then we had to, of course, get a house nurse for me because mm-hmm. everything, right? I couldn't move from the bed. I needed all the help. Everything. Even, yeah. yeah. I was on sponge bath and all of that, right? So I needed all that help because the doctor said she cannot move. They operated my back. Yeah. I didn't tell you that. They said, this is a miracle that you are in this shape. And uh, the, the broken vertebrae was almost about to break my spinal cord. And he said it was only like 0.01 mm. Wow. At the distance there was. And then it is a miracle. So he, he kept repeating that to me. That you're a miracle. Yeah. Imagine if while you were waiting for the bus and you moved your body just 1.01 millimeters that could have been a very different outcome. Yeah, it could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you're at home, you're working. People give you work because they don't want you to go crazy in bed rest. What what happens next? Like this was eight or nine weeks of it. Yeah. And what's nine going, weeks? What's going son. through your head? What's going through your head in that eight or nine weeks? Like, like being an active person, being a busy person, like, how did you mentally get yourself through something that you had no control over, which was lying in bed for the next two months? Like, how did you manage your days and your mind? I was working. In fact, I was attending calls. I was working. <laughs> and I actually old. kept myself busy. Okay. I would have gone crazy if I was not doing any mm-hmm. of this. Like I was mm-hmm. reading books, then I would be working, I was attending calls and also at our organization level, we were going through a phase at that point of like, there was a due diligence phase where we were getting acquired and we were going mm-hmm. through that phase and I was key during that activities, the phase of the activities, right? So. Mm-hmm. Which which was really helpful for me at that point. Kept me more more and more busy. Yeah, the bed, right, and yeah. it helped. I would yeah. say that, and I think helped me to distract myself uh, from focusing on my okay. Will I be okay? What am I going through? How am I going to do? And all of that, right? So I tried to be not even thinking about that. I said, okay, I have to be on the bed for this long. Doctor suggested I'll be like this. And then yeah. and I have to get back. I'll put all that I can to be back the way I used to be. 
So tell us about that process. So the bed rest period is is over. It, what what happened next? Like you start getting out of bed and moving. What was that like? Yeah, it was. So doctor said, okay, it's better if you can appoint a physiotherapist for yourself. I said, okay. Sure. But, so I had a physiotherapist coming home because I couldn't travel every day. My doctor's visits also used to be in ambulance. They would send uh, actually ambulance from hospital with all those support. And that's how I used yeah. to be going to see the doctors. So wow. now the physiotherapist comes home the first day and he gives me all the support to hold and said, okay, now try to stand on your feet, right? So I'm trying to stand toes on the ground and I feel this all the pricking sense from there, right? So I have, I didn't have any energy even to like touch or stand or forget about standing, right? Just touching that, those my toes on the ground and then trying to take some support, so nothing. And then I just collapsed uh, there and I started crying at that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever walk back. Uh, this is it, uh, kind of, mm-hmm. right? So they're all watching at me because... Okay, if I give up, they didn't want to force me. This was the first time. And then they didn't want to force me. They said, okay, if you don't want to, it's okay. I said, no, wait, you're not leaving. We'll try again, kind of, right? But give me a couple of minutes, we'll try again. So we tried again. I was not able to stand. Then I didn't give up. And then we waited 10 more minutes. And the third time I did stand. I just took my toes as my support and I stood. That's when the next day onwards started with five steps, 10 steps. Mm-hmm. And then I had to learn walking back completely. Even like, mm-hmm. how do you balance your feet? Right? Like a child. Yeah. So when yeah. you start learning to walk. Well, so you had to, there's something that stands out to me from the second we've started talking is you're someone that doesn't give up. You, you are, you, and just hearing you actually say that is I'm not giving up. The first time I literally fell down, I stood up and I fell down. I, I didn't think I could do it. Then I started taking five steps, then 10 steps. And there's just so many parallels to life on this, on your journey. And I just, I'm guessing this is how you approach your entire life. One of my favorite Peloton instructors says, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yes. And this is clearly in like a, a, ingrained in, in who you are. So keep going. I, I, I'm a believer of that. How do you want thing is how you do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every little thing add up. Yeah. And that's how your entire thing is going. To yeah. Be. So that's how you form the whole thing. So this, this was the thing for me as well. Like I never thought giving up is an option. I still mm-hmm. do believe in that. You should not be giving up and try. And then there should not be any regrets uh, for mm-hmm. you at the later stage, right? I should have done better. I I, I never want to be in that situation. So giving that is what is it not was. An option. Yeah, yeah. So it, it had happened with me once that like my physiotherapist made me to walk. And then my next visit to the doctor I had multiple doctors to visit too because of the spine and then the ortho and all of those, right? So Mm -hmm. the doctor who was treating me for my leg related, in fact, he yelled. The moment he saw me standing, walking in there and he yelled at me because my hips, I had fractures in my hips, I had fractures in my ribs, all of those. And he wasn't sure whether they were healed. 
So mm-hmm. she started yelling at that moment. <laughs> so, like you were in trouble? Like, yes. You could yes. put, you could put, you put too much pressure on your hands. On, uh, yes. Yeah. So pelvic bones were broken. So that was his worry. And uh, he started yelling and they literally yelled at my physiotherapist who is from the same hospital. So, mm-hmm. and next day my physiotherapist said, I'm not coming from tomorrow because... I, my doctor and I both work in the same hospital and it looks like I did not read his prescriptions clearly. Oh, That's how my doctor thinks. So I cannot be continuing from tomorrow. So I had to find another physiotherapist after. That's a different story. <laughs> so did you yeah. wait for your bones to heal or did you just keep going and just... They were all like, well, I'm already almost walking. okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were almost okay. Actually, I did not take a break even after <laughs> that. So, uh, uh, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think I healed pretty quickly at that point. Then once I started working, I'm like, okay, now let's move to the next one. I want to learn the steps today, right? The timing, the steps. Um, oh, yeah. And walking further, kind of. Then we were one day walking. My physiotherapist says, you know, right, how long you walked? I said, yeah. And she says, this was the second physiotherapist. And she says, now you have to walk back too. Because if you walk further and you have to walk back that distance going back home, I said, yeah, that I'm fine. It's okay. Yeah. Let's try. Kind uh-huh. of, right. So I kept doing that every day. And then one day she said, when we went for a walk, Let's take the elevator. I said, no, let's take the steps. Stairs, yeah. So we'll walk through the stairs and I want to start learning this, right? So we did that. So it was faster. And I think on the 10th week, I drove to office. Wow. (laughs) 10th week after bed rest? So two weeks after bed rest? Two weeks after bed rest. So I, I drove to office and I did have all, all those, my spinal braces and support. Mm-hmm. And I drove to office. Okay. Oh. In India, by the way, people, yes. she's driving to the office in India. It's not like driving to the office in the U.S. There are cows and animals and even in Bangalore, like it's not your smooth sailing drive. This requires all of your senses and all of your courage <laughs> for us in the U.S. Driving in India is unimaginable for a lot of us. <laughs> so that was a bit, that's a big deal. <laughs> so I was at that moment, yes, I was very proud of myself. Yeah. I made it kind of, right? You had to a milestone. And then you had to drive back like you did with your walk. You had to yes. walk, you walk one point. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it was good. Then... Okay, so you're in India, you're you're starting to drive, you're you're getting your your walking back. At what point did you decide like what was the next goal that you wanted to hit in terms of just like, okay, I can walk pretty good now, I can drive? Like, what was next for you? And what did you want to be able to do next? So the next see, I started long walks with like around my home and we have the very nice walkway there. Uh, so I started that. And then I started working out slowly. So, what type of workouts did you do? It was initially the strengthening workouts. I started with, and then light weights, kind of, and then started on the treadmills. Uh, so, it was good. And then I started running as well, outdoor running. How long did it take you to be able to run after your accident? Like, how many months or 
was it did take that? some. It did take some. I had to first start the workouts, the muscle strengthening, mm-hmm. weights mm-hmm. and stuff. And then yep. I think it, it was about like eight to 10 months from then Okay. On. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. So my doctor had asked me, try not to do the vertical workouts. You can go for swimming and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, I... I was making swimming is not all seasons, right? Like we didn't have a heated pool or anything there. So yeah. I would do in some times, but not all the time. But then I try and I thought, okay, if it hurts, I'll stop at that event, right? So yeah. I didn't feel anything. And then I, came, I kept pushing myself. Mm-hmm. So even now I do that. I think I shared with you. And like, I like working out like I'm a regular at the gym. So so it, what, yeah. So then eventually you guys moved to the US, right? Yeah. yeah. Not too long after the accident, right? Yes. It's not too long. A year after. Okay. And then, to, yeah, we started talking about working out a lot because I, I'm a huge workout person as well. I work out nearly every day. Yeah. But what did the accident teach you, I guess, when it comes to your health and your body and your family? Like, what are the, what are the lessons that you, you took and from, from the accident? It is like, okay. Move forward, persistence with conviction is something that I always believe in, right? And then believe in yourself. Those are the things, like, like no matter how challenging it is, go forward with persistence, with conviction, and just believe in yourself and uh, you will sail through it. And how do you, you know, it, it sounds easy, like move forward, but you literally had to put this into your life practice to physically move forward each step. And I like how you talk to yourself as you were moving forward. And I think there's many people out there who, myself included, who I just sometimes feel stuck or like, oh, what do I do next? Or I don't feel like it, or I'm not motivated. I heard a great quote last weekend that whether or not I feel like it or motivated is irrelevant. I need to do it anyway if it's helping me build the life I want and achieve my goals. Whether I feel like it or I want to, doesn't matter. And that struck me. I don't know if that resonates with you and kind of this experience, but like how I feel, who cares? Do it anyway. Do it anyway, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more, right? So it's the same way. See, I had to take it head on. I had to fix Mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. It was all up to you how you would heal. Yeah, really. Get back yeah. on my feet or achieve what I want to achieve. So if I cannot put or I cannot fix myself, who else can, right? If you don't yeah. believe in yourself, how will others will believe in me? That is what like kept me going. Okay, if I don't believe that I can do it, then I won't be able to. So I, I, I always took it like, okay, there's no option. So, like, go yeah. ahead and try. You have to fix yourself. Nobody else can fix yourself. I'm not giving myself a choice here. Yeah. Nobody else can do it for you. It is, right. it is your battle to fight. Right? right. I see. So I share, you know, a lot w- with people's careers and, and obviously not having dealt you know, with such a major life trauma as your accident. But even I, I think about this when people think about their careers, they come, you know, there's two ways to approach like that career development discussion with your boss. And a lot of people don't prepare and they just come and they just don't advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that come and take the reins and advocate for themselves and take charge and 
drive a plan and, and build what they want. Like, what do you, what would you tell somebody who is, you know, kind of feeling stuck and feeling like they don't really know where to go in their career or their life? And, and how does one go about figuring that out and, and driving for it or and going for it, believing in themselves? I think what I see a lot of the times that is, it's hard to know at the beginning, right? What we want to be. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Which yeah. I was do at some point. Okay? Yeah. And then, like, as I said, I have a completely different academic background. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I felt like I was, in fact, teaching for a couple of years for grad school students. And then I felt like, okay, this is not something that I want to do. I feel, felt like I'm like repeating the same thing. I want to do something more than this. Right? It is a good cause. I loved that. Like, interacting with many young minds and students. all that. Yeah. yeah, students and mm-hmm. you feel young with them and all that, right? <laughs> because nice. And and I think for me, that made me to realize, okay, yeah, it was good. But I think it doesn't excite me every day. Oh. Mm-hmm. I want to do something more that excites me every day. And when I wake up in the morning, I should feel like, yeah, I love doing this. Yeah. Yes. So, and so how did you figure when, what this was? Like, how so did you... when, when I started this work, I felt like, okay, there's a lot to do here, right? It was more than a little, it was a startup, right? Yeah. So it, there were no processes in place that, that I just mm-hmm. had to follow. And there were a lot of things that we had to put in place and a lot that we could do with people mm-hmm. together and then come up with the creating stuff, how we can do better like grow better and make this whole thing like everything right for the clients for ourselves and the teams and there's a lot of things that we could do so once I started that I felt like yeah I am having fun doing this Mm. and then that became my passion so we so is having fun I love this because I think that we forget it at work like to make fun a a gauge on whether or not we should be doing what we're doing. And I think that should be a measure. Like, am I having fun? Am I enjoying myself? Exactly. And that, depending on how I answer that, that should be a guide on whether or not I I should keep keep moving forward in that direction or if I should pivot and consider something else. Because I think the moment we stop, and not that work is laugh and fun 24-7, but overall, are we having fun? I think it's so important to enjoy ourselves at work. We don't we spend so much said, time. Yeah, yeah, as I said, when you wake up in the morning, you should feel like, yeah, this is an exciting day too, kind of. Yeah. Right? Not be like, oh, I have to go and do this boring stuff today. Mm-hmm. I have to be with these boring people or I don't mm-hmm. like these people that I work yeah. with. I think yeah. that is the time that we should, you should seriously start thinking about, okay, what makes me feel happy or have fun? Do, yeah. yeah, work, but... You also should have that fun, right? You enjoy your life too. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't always work hard, but yes. you never feel like, okay, oh my God, I have I had such a hard day kind of. It feels something like, okay, I have achieved something during the day. So what are ways, you know, like, what are ways that you incorporate? Well, so there's two questions. So what it Given the accident, do you have a new outlook on life and appreciation? Granted, it was a, how many years ago now? Like 18, 20? It's a, no, it is, <laughs> it is nine years. 
Oh, only nine years. For some reason, I was thinking, given the age of your son, I was thinking it was okay. My, so only nine years ago. Yeah. How do you think about your life differently? The year now. Yeah, it's the 10th year. Yeah. 10th anniversary. Well, yeah. how do you think about your life differently when it comes to like enjoying it and making decisions and deciding what's important? What did the accident teach you? A lot is what I would say. Maybe at that moment, see, when I said that I don't think I'll make it. Yeah. That, that I, I always remember that. I still talk to my cousin and tell him that, remember what I said at that point, kind of. And yeah. made me to think a lot in that moment. Like, one is that, okay, I think I have not done anything in my life. Like, it is like, I'm just, I should, I have not used a lot of the opportunities that I had in front of me, kind of, right? So, makes me think a lot of the times life is short, right? So, <laughs> Try and grab all that opportunity that you see in front of you. Don't think that you will get that opportunity again. Oh, I love right? that. Yep. All we the really doors don't that know whether we'll get that opportunity again. Kind of. So make use of that and put your best in whatever you do. And don't keep any regrets. Like I should have done it better. Kind of. Like when you think about it, you say, "Yeah, I gave my best. I tried. Mm-hmm. That is what I should be telling." That I. Uh, even today, I think like that when I do something, like, okay, let me put my best. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, I never want to be in a situation where I regret that I should have done. And I I really did not make use of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think sometimes realizing opportunities require us to be present. And if we're always looking down at our phones or thinking about what's next or busy, 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 and just running through life. We, you know, I'm guilty of this too. I, I think we aren't paying attention to maybe some subtle ways life is giving us opportunities. And I'm sure I've missed a lot of opportunities because I've been too busy or too tired or all my excuses get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I actually have a reminder on my phone that goes off like three times a day that just says be present. Yeah. And if nothing else, it forces me to look at my phone or read that. And it, it does jolt me out of whatever I'm doing because it, the reminder comes up. But yeah, to be able to see the opportunities, we have to be present, right? Have to be, we have to be present. And then that's a very good point that you are making there, right? We have to be yeah. present. We have to remind ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 yeah. it is hard to even sometimes realize that there is an opportunity if you are not present. Yeah. It's, it's there, so easy it's to just see. you, but you're not even seeing it through. Right. What opportunities or what things are you excited about in your life right now? See, I, the, the way I get the, I think the role, first of all, I should uh, say that at my work setup, I was lucky that way that I was able to ignore any stereotypes in there, right? For example, even the gender stereotypes. Yeah. I just get on with my work. Uh, I'll go. If I go a little back in time, as I said, I changed my career path. And then I came in here, I was in the middle of all profession, excellent expertise, who people who are very experts in this retail domain. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in the software consulting world. And I was the only in this le- uh, like leadership team as a woman. And when it comes to leadership meetings or outings, often I didn't really notice that I used to be the only woman in the room, mm. right? Mm. So I realized now 
I was and I'm blessed to be surrounded that way by men who didn't make gender an issue. They were very logical and cared most about getting the right results, mm-hmm. kind of, than anything else, right? Uh, so it was and is still a strong meritocracy. So that is what is something that I always like and believe in when you are saying that, right? What do you like every day? That is something that I like. Think, forget about anything else, right? I have heard, I think, I know well, not everyone is fortunate like me in that aspect. Right. Right? Ask me, right? Like most often than not, I've seen and heard how women struggle to succeed, even if they are competent enough or they deserve. Yeah. So that way, I think that or- the organization's culture helps decide if yes, a woman is yes. successful or not, yeah. like it or not. Yeah. And next couple and you has a, it sounds like has a wonderful culture where you haven't had to second guess yourself as a woman I didn't. or you yes. haven't yes. felt isolated as a woman or, and that's, that's wonderful. And I think there's so many lessons that male leaders can take from that. And yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if yeah, you, and I'm lucky that we, uh, yeah. not everybody is. If you were to tell a male leader, like there's men that listen to this podcast too. If you were to tell a male leader something that you really like about the male leadership team at your company, something they do to make you not even think about gender, like what do you think that is? Or what advice would you give to a male leader to help make it a more level playing field for women in their company? So as I said, this one, right? Like, don't go by like if you were to pick a work, say example, sales pitch oh. or anything, right? Like I have mm-hmm. seen men like by default a lot of the time, right? Okay. So we have to travel here to, get, to be on this meeting and take these people out. And yeah. by default, I have seen them. Okay. If if it has to be something or late night meeting or uh, just give an opportunity to that woman if she is capable, uh, like don't think that, oh, okay, because it has to be like, meeting 10 men here and doing this and presenting to them. The women may not be capable of doing this. I, mm-hmm. I have seen that. Or maybe even a project to deliver this for that matter, right? Okay, mm-hmm. there, here is a very tight scheduled project. And, and this might be, like, might require you to be, like, be on calls, like late night meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And by default, they feel like, okay, I don't think she can do it. Why do you think they think uh, that? Because you have time. They think that they have family, maybe they mm-hmm. have, but I would say give an opportunity. Maybe ask yep. them at least, right? Do you think this has tight schedules? And then will you be able to take this up? Or if you're okay, we are happy to like give you that as the first option. If not, we'll figure out or find somewhere. Kind and of. don't make assumptions that just because don't make someone's a woman that they can't attend you know, they can't attend the same type of, or be on the same type of schedule that a man can. And often men have child duties too. So that's starting to change more and more. You know, we're, there's stay-at-home dads now, you know, much more common than they used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago even. So yes, not making assumptions and not being a parent myself. I, I see challenges in different ways of being a woman in the workplace, but yeah, don't make it. Don't make jewels, right? Just maybe sometimes... Yeah, but maybe. See, I would. Yeah, I might have other constraints, but I would yeah. be out the way. Yeah, right. Something that I I would be like that. Yes, if yeah. uh, if there was a chance given to me, and see how, and even if I had constraints, I would figure out a way. Like after all, we women all are 
no informal diet asking, right? Right. So, so strength. So we how do you we'll figure out? How do you say no at work? What what are you know? Is there times when you've just had to say it's a no? Like I'm I'm not going to be available or I'm not able to do this. I think women often have a hard time saying no because we want to help and contribute and be all the things to all the people because we're very community oriented in general. So like, how do you find out your voice in, in, and say no when you need to? Yeah, I think that, that, that's how we are wired most of the time because mm-hmm. the family, with kids, we are used to, right, with the parents and we are used yeah. to that, yes, for everything. I think it, it comes with the learning, I feel, hobby and mm-hmm. see. I have learned that hard way through because I, <laughs> I'm still, I find it hard a lot of the time to say no because I'm so used to be like, yes, let's do it and I'll do it kind of yeah. thing. I'm also a kind of person sometimes when there is a work coming and then where I see that, okay, this has to be done quickly rather than the delegating to somebody like <laughs> kind of. I'll, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I'll do it myself. It's more efficient, faster. <laughs> yeah. But then I'll just add to my list of 500 other things that I'm also going to do myself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then there's something else coming in and then, yeah, I'll do it. Kind of thing. It has to come with the learning and we have to start practicing it. And we also have to like maybe teach ourselves that when you are saying no, that doesn't, there's nothing negative about it. Right? No. It is a positive and you are like, you, you know what you can do, what you want to do. And what can be otherwise like delegated, right? So otherwise we disappoint people. If we say yes to everything and can't deliver or do it, then people are disappointed. I would rather disappoint, I would rather disappoint someone right away and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do this right now or ever or whatever it is, then say yes. And then later I'm like late or I didn't do it and disappoint somebody in that way. I would rather disappoint someone up front because later if I say yes and then have to say no later, that to me is a conflict with my integrity. And so people who know me well know that I I don't have I don't have a very hard time saying no at work. But another area of my which life is very good with I would say I Yeah. But with my family, you know, some you know I want to help or I want to do things and my family would probably say you say no all the time. But for me, I feel like I, I have to think it through more with with my family or friends, and say no than I do at work. And for everyone, it's different. But yeah, yeah, no, I think it comes with the learning, uh, is mm-hmm. for sure. And and mm-hmm. also we have to, as I said, understand that saying no is not bad. You like a know, full sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole sentence. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. It, no. Like you know. Oh, better in that case, right? And mm-hmm. if you're saying yes to everything, maybe you still don't know what you will have to be doing, or what uh, you can be delegating, or yeah. like how do you plan your day? All of that comes into the picture there. Yes. And as long as you are able to, maybe it need not be right away. Like many times when you you feel like, okay, I, I can't say no, but I want to mm-hmm. say no. Go yeah. with the logic. Maybe understand, like it's, it's always when you, when you go with the logical reasoning, yeah. I don't think anybody would feel bad about it or you yourself will not feel bad about it. Right. Yeah. Because if you say you really want to say no and you say yes anyway, yeah, that's the people pleasing mode. That's yes. the people pleasing zone. 
or that builds resentment. That's not the logic. Stress. And that's yeah, logic. That, that's not the logic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been wonderful, Ramita, having you here. If Is there anything that you feel like we didn't talk about that you want to tell listeners or that you would like to share just on behalf of your journey and your your I think experience. We've spoken a lot, or maybe the, just as a like in general, right? I would say for all of us, like like following your conviction of passion and making it as your goal is not always easy, as I would say. But it is an important part of living a fulfilling life. Always worth it. Yeah, a lot of younger women think, as I said earlier, that if I want to believe or, or achieve something, want to be a leader or achieve something in my goal in my life, I cannot have a family. That's wrong. I would say you can do both. Yeah. Right? You don't need to separate these roles, leader and a mother, kind of, right? Or leader and a partner or a spouse yeah. or whatever, right? Or a daughter, yeah. you know, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. Instead, you need to integrate them and you'll become a better leader. In yeah. that. Power of the and. Two yes. things can be true at the same time yeah. without yeah. having to choose one or the other. Yeah. And yeah. and you may, may find yourself giving more to motherhood than your job one day and more to your job and more to motherhood. Or, you know, for me, it's being a dog mom. But... Yeah. Or whatever it is, yeah. you know, there, it, every day it could be a new balance. And there are balance, always ways, right? There are always yeah. ways you can do both things in your life. Yeah. Well, like, as I said, we should know that to be women are better at multitasking. Yeah. And, and figuring out ways, savvy yes. ways to make yeah. things happen. Yeah. We have a very good sixth sense about how to make things happen and somehow pull off like, total miracles um, so like you have you've pulled off a few miracles yourself so thank you for being here and where can people find you on online if they are curious about working for your company or connecting with you personally where LinkedIn. can people find you i'm on linkedin, LinkedIn. yeah all right well rita it was so nice to have you here thank you for being so generous and, and willing to share your story and and your lessons from from the accident and just your life lessons. It's been a true honor having you. So thank you. Thank you, Holly. It was was very nice. And thank you for having me again. Are you curious if your business idea will actually work? Don't worry. I've got you. Your best business idea starts here at hollynoll.com slash free. Go to the link and download my free business action guide. In this guide, you'll map your skills and expertise to build a profitable business idea. You'll solidify an irresistible offer that turns contacts into clients. And you'll implement my step-by-step framework to quickly land your very first client. Thank you for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I am truly grateful to you. For more information on today's episode and this podcast, visit hollynoll.com slash podcast, where you can find links discussed in the show's and connect directly with my guests. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you enjoyed today's show, share your rating on iTunes, or if you'd rather tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. 
And remember, check out my free business action guide at hollynoll.com slash free. Or for more business building tools, visit the consultant code on Instagram. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.